And now in the name of our loving, liberating and life-giving God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Well, good morning, St. Michael's. <laughs> Rumor has it you're a little bit over 75 years old. You don't look a day over 20. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for just such a remarkable time to spend with your rector and so many people from this congregation, uh, your clergy, your staff, your leadership, your foundation, your vestry, um, parishioners, um, had a chance to visit some of the ministries that you have supported and made possible from the Episcopal School of Dallas, St. Phillips Community Center and School, and to see some of the little ones from the St. Michael's School here. Um, it, has, it has been, I got a chance to be at the exchange, St. Michael's Exchange. Oh, oh I've been around, I've been around. <laughs> and, and you are a blessing to this community and indeed to this world and to this Episcopal Church. And, and Chris, Father, it is a blessing and a privilege to be, this rector is a trip. <laughs> I love this brother, it's just wonderful. So thank you so much for allowing me to share these days with you and pray God's continued blessing on you that you will bless this our world in Jesus' name. Allow me, if you will, to offer a text that comes from the 13th chapter of John's Gospel. These are words that Jesus actually said at the Last Supper. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. For by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples that you have love for one another. It's taken me a long time. I just turned 69 a few weeks ago. It's taken me a long time to realize where a song I learned way back yonder as a child, where that song really comes from. I mean, you know it. J Jesus loves me. I know y'all know it, know it. We're not up north now. I mean, I know you know this song. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are, but he is. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. Let the record show that Episcopalian said, the Bible tells me so. <laughs> Been singing that song as far back as I can remember. I can even hear my grandmother, my East Carolina grandmother, standing at the kitchen sink, cleaning collard greens, singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But it's been years until it dawned on me where the truth of that song came from. Because I like the notion that Jesus loves me, and it's true. Je Jesus loves me. In fact, 
Yeah, uh, the other day when the little ones from St. Michael's School were singing, um, afterward we took pictures and we all kind of gathered around and took pictures. And a little boy, uh, as he was going out, he stopped and he said, do you know God? <laughs> and I started to think, how old does he think I am? I mean, <laughs> and, and I, I kind of responded just instinctively. I said, I do. And guess what? He loves me and he loves you. It's true. But it didn't dawn on me until recently, in all honesty, that, that this text, this, Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so, that, that actually it's a springboard song. It's a song of inspiration. It is a song of dedication. It is a song of missionary calculation. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But it's based on the text of John 13, where Jesus has just washed the feet of his disciples and says, as I have done to you, so you must do to each other and to the world. And then Jesus says a new commandment, I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. A new commandment. But not long ago, and, and this is the truth, I was preaching at Ebenezer Baptist Church, Dr. King's Church in Atlanta, back in Atlanta, you're Atlanta, Chris. And I said to the, I started to say rector, this is the Baptist Church, so the pastor, but <laughs> I said, you know something? It's taken me a while to figure out what was new about the new commandment. Because if you think about it, I mean, love wasn't anything new. Bible says, 1 John chapter 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God, and those who love are born of God and know God. Why? Because God is love. Love, that's not anything new. Love is as old as God. And the song says he's the rock of ages. So God's been around a long time, and so has love. So what's new? I mean, it's, it's a new commandment. We already had 10. I mean, what's new? You look in the book of Lamentations in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, and it says, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Great is his faithfulness. That's where we get to him. Great is thy faithfulness from. So love has been around. So what's new, Jesus? And then I was reading something by Professor Amy Jill Levine at Vanderbilt. And she said what was new was not love. But what was new was when he says, love one another as I have loved you. The new thing was the call, not just to those of us who are Christian, but to those of us who are human, to love each other just as God loves you. To, to, to love the way the God who gave you life in the first place. Do you know you were given life? You didn't do anything to deserve it. Your parents had a little role to play, but you didn't do a thing. All you did was show up. Right? And, and, and yet, this was given to you. You are already proof of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We, we, that, 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 this, we didn't do anything. It's, it's the fact that we are here at all for any moment of life is a gift of love, of the God who the Bible says 
is love. And he says, if you want to know what life looks like, if you want to know how to live it, if you want a life of dignity, vitality, integrity, a life saturated with eternity that not even the power of death can take away from you, love like God loves. The God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The God who so Love that little boy who asked, do you know God? The God who so loves the little ones and the big ones. The God who loves the people of Ukraine right now. And even the people of Russia. Loves them enough to help that nation learn to do what is right loves us enough to help us receive refugees if we gotta, loves us enough to care for each other. Oh my, oh my sister, I'm giving y'all some good medicine this morning. <laughs> oh, oh, if I was Oprah Winfrey, you'd have to pay some serious money for this. <laughs> and I'm free, I don't cost a penny. But boy, let me tell you, no, what was new was this love like the love of God. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now you may be wondering, this is good, preacher. At least I hope you're thinking it's good. But anyway, what's it got to do with Palm Sunday? I I'm glad you asked that question because I knew you were wondering about it. <laughs> and, and the truth is, I remember back when I took a course in Greek mythology. The ancient Greeks in, in one of their myths had a struggle between Eros and Thanatos. And if you understand Greek mythology, what you have is in the mythology are messages about life. You see what I mean? They projected unto the gods, you know, Zeus and all those guys. Um, they projected up there, but what's going on? They're really talking about the struggles of human life. And so in the Greek mythology, Eros and Thanatos are enemies. Eros, the god of love, Thanatos, the god of death. And they say Eros and Thanatos are always in struggle and tension with each other. And the question of human destiny is which one will win, love or death? On Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday, Pontius Pilate, entered Jerusalem from the Western Gate, having left his palace, Fortress Antonia, on the Mediterranean Sea. He entered Jerusalem, accompanied by cavalry and infantry. He entered Jerusalem with the insignias of the Roman Empire who had conquered the Holy Land and made the people subjects of the empire. He had entered, he who had slaughtered hundreds for just the rumor of insurrection, he who executed Jesus of Nazareth. When his wife came to him, and Matthew's gospel says, his wife came to him and said, Pilate, you need to leave this dude named Jesus alone. I've had a dream about him. You need to leave him alone. I want to, you know, I want to say, Pilate, you should listen to your wife. 
I mean, I said, Father, you should have listened to it because now you are just an afterthought included in the Nicene Creed. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. You could have had a good history if you had let that brother go. <laughs> but, but, but Pilate, he was, the, he was a brutal governor of Rome, which was a brutal empire. And the people of Israel, they just wanted to be free like the people of Ukraine. They just wanted to be free. And, and the Lord God made all of us. I remember one time my daddy took me to the movie. Now, I'll tell you how long ago this was. This was when the movie Exodus was playing. Yeah, there are only a few of us old enough to remember even when that was, about 1960 or somewhere there about. And I remember, and it's the story of the Jewish people finding their homeland and, and becoming free. And we were coming out of the theater, and I was probably nine, eight or nine, I guess. And, and my daddy said, the Lord didn't make anybody to be under anybody else's boot. He made us all to be free. We are blessed to live in a country where in spite of all our hardship, freedom is a watchword. And if we would be a shining city on a hill, let us help people around the world find that same freedom. No, Pilate suppressed it. Like what's going on even now. And he came through the Western Gate because the Passover celebration was about to begin. And he knew that the Passover celebration was a celebration of freedom. The freedom of Moses. Go down, Moses. Y'all remember that song? You remember Moses? You know, you, you, you know Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that Moses, he, he took Hebrew slaves and led them to freedom. And Pilate knew that the people would get excited and hope. Prisoners of hope, like the Old Testament says, they would hope for freedom once again. And Pilate rode in with all of his army accompanying him, basically sending a message, don't you even think about it. Thanatos, the power of death as the threat. Meanwhile, on the eastern side of Jerusalem, Jesus entered Jerusalem about the same time. The scholars tell us Jesus timed it about the same time that Pilate would have been coming in. Jesus came in from the Eastern Gate down the Mount of Olives. He came in not riding a war horse, but riding a donkey, the way of humble love, the way of love that gives and does not count the cost, the way of the love of God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there you have the struggle between eros, between love and death. And the rest of Holy Week is the struggle between love and death. And finally, Pontius Pilate decrees death. Let him be crucified. And Jesus dies. But that's not the end of the story. I won't be here with you next Sunday, but I can tell you the end. <laughs> I mean, this brother lives. He rose from the dead. Let me tell you something. And I believe he rose from the dead. I can't explain it. I don't know exactly how it works out. I don't know all the details. All I know is if that brother didn't get up when he was down for the count, 
I'm going on Broadway and make me some real money. No, 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 he rose from the dead, which was God's declaration and reminder to us that love, as the Old Testament says, is stronger than death. Love, don't underestimate it. Don't give up on it. It is the way to life, the way to heal our divisions, the way to bind up our wounds, and the way to help us live. It was a day during Holy Week. Believe it or not, Jesus talked about love all Holy Week long. It was at the Last Supper that he gave our text. It was at the Last Supper he said, greater love has no one than this, but that they give up their life for others. It was at the Last Supper he said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He was talking about love all the way to the cross. And it was during Holy Week that a lawyer came up to him. Uh, any lawyers in the house? <laughs> I know Episcopalians, I know y'all are here. I know, I, 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 yeah, yeah, a lawyer came up to Jesus in Matthew 22, if you don't believe me, that was actually Holy Week. It was Holy Week when he said the words of our text. It was Holy Week. If you look at the Gospels, the passages about love cluster during this week from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. And this lawyer came up to Jesus and he said, Great teacher, what is the, what's the greatest law in the entire legal edifice of Moses? He had over 600 laws that were to basically to expand on the Ten Commandments and apply them to daily life in the ancient world. And so, so what, what, what is the greatest of all these laws? Jesus reached back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus. You shall love the Lord your God. This is the first and the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Oh, this is the, the first and great commandment. Love the Lord God who created you. And don't be ashamed to love God. He loves you. Well, what the heck? Might as well. Love the Lord your God and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I got to tell you, love your neighbor. Now, it doesn't mean like them. There's <laughs> a big difference between loving and liking. See, see lo love is a commitment. I am committed to your welfare as well as mine. I like how those lights came on. You got a good shop here. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, love your neighbor. L love your neighbor uh, as yourself. Love your neighbor. Uh, commit your life to seeking the good and the welfare, not just of yourself, you gotta take care of yourself, but also of your neighbor. I, I'm telling folk, Episcopalians all over the church, I need some Democrats to love some Republicans, all right? And I need some Republicans to love some Democrats. And independents, you can go either way, but love somebody. <laughs> We got the, we love, and we want to rebuild and re-knit this nation. Love one another. Love your neighbor with reckless abandon. Care for each other. Love God. Love your neighbor. And, and love yourself. Yeah. You got to love yourself too. I don't mean selfishness. 
I mean, if God made you, who are you not to love what God has made? No, 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 love that. And I love myself. Let me tell you something. I'm 69 years old. I'm not as cute as I used to be, but I still think I am. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got to love yourself. In fact, I have a routine. When I get up in the morning, this is true, children. I get up in the morning and I get out of bed. I get up a lot earlier than my wife. And, and uh, she's at church now, so she's not seeing this. Uh, but anyway, I get up and I go over to her little vanity thing. I know now know why they call those vanities, because the lights make you look better than you really do. <laughs> and so I go over to the little vanity and, and I look in the mirror and I kind of have to wipe my eyes. And I look some more. I say, Denzel Washington? <laughs> Is that you? Oh, you pretty thing, you. Oh, Michael Curry, you are just as beautiful as you can be. Let me tell you something. I know it's an illusion, but I'm going to live my illusion. I, it, love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love your God. And love each other as God loves us. Because Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, for the Bible tells me so. God love you. God bless you. May God hold you, those you love, and all the human family and creation in those almighty hands. <laughs>